Welcome to Dad's Talking Dollars, the podcast all about helping all the dads out there make better decisions with their finances and take some stress out of your lives. We'll help you get on top of your loans, mortgages, interest rates, kids' education, and much more. And whether it's a holiday with the family, a new car, a trip with the lads, whatever you want to do, we're here to help you achieve it. Here we are, gents. Knights of the Round Table. Welcome to a brand new episode of Dad's Talking Dollars. Today's special guest is a father of three, I think. (laughs) Correct. Confirmed. Uh, Property nut and host of the Australian Property Show, Mr. Tom Haig. Tom, good to have you on the show, mate. Thank you, Nick. Great to be with you, boys. Pleasure. So a little bit different today, DB, than our usual episodes, where we're going to focus more on real estate. Hence the reason we've got this guy in. Australians have a love affair with property investing, so why not dive into it? And we thought we'd do two really focused episodes where we can share some insights of what's happening right now from an expert, not mm. from us, because we are not the experts. Uh, we are great hosts. We're just a really good-looking face of the brand, aren't Joke we? Joke tellers. Really funny. Talking dollars, dads, but they're not property investing. All right. Well, I'm, I'm interested to uh, fire some questions off at Tom. For our listeners out there, we, um, we've also going to open the line up for you guys to message us after this episode. And if you've got any questions, we can then shoot them off to Tom and get them ready for the next episode after this one. So there will be two of these, I believe. So stay tuned um, and make sure you're tuning in right now because you're going to learn some valuable information from the man himself. Jeez, the pressure's on, isn't it? We build you up, big guy. <laughs> I thought this was supposed <laughs> to be fun. <laughs> no, we're all about business here. Tom. Might as well start from where you first saw dollar signs in your eyes. You know, obviously you've been doing this for a while now. You're good at what you do, but what was the initial sort of uh, affair that you had with property and the whole game that that it is? I guess my exposure to property started at a really young age. So my dad was a builder. Uh, He built homes in Bulwara and in Maitland here in the Hunter Valley and uh, was really good at it. And... He worked incredibly hard and would build homes for other people and I think after a certain point in his career his body started to break down, he's working incredibly hard and he realised that he needed to do things a little bit differently so my dad was someone who educated himself really well on how to invest, how to make money in property and a lot of that very luckily for me he would share with me those insights and he wanted to do small scale development, subdivisions, townhouses, that sort of thing. And I was always in and around it from age five. I was sweeping up sawdust on the on the building site and falling through the floor joists and doing all that sort of sort of thing. But um, I think for me, the real moment that I saw property as a as a future career, something I wanted to pursue. I was working commercial construction in Melbourne. We we're building uh, at the time a, a hospital in Sunshine, and it was it was incredibly stressful. Like so, high pressure. You know, we would, there was a $70 million build. We had, you know, the trade union breathing down our neck, you know, trying to shut the site down the whole time. Um, it was a 7 to 7 gig and there was huge expectations. All the sick people on beds in the car park waiting for it to get finished? Pretty much. Oh, those guys, people getting dropped off shot, which probably <laughs> gives you an idea of what Sunshine was like at the time. I think uh-huh. it's improved now. Okay. Great investment opportunity in Sunshine. <laughs> By the way. But, no, and, and that, I guess... At that time, I was working really hard, as I mentioned, um, and I, I looked at all the people around me that were sort of 50 and 60 in a similar role, mm. and they were all, 
I guess, at the point where they really didn't enjoy what they were doing. They worked incredibly hard. They were incredibly stressed. And, yeah, they earned decent money. But for me, that wasn't a great package. Mm. That wasn't what I, what I wanted. And just by chance, I was working with this young guy, Isaac. Terrific guy, Isaac, if you're listening. Hello, mate. Shout out to Isaac. <laughs> and uh, Isaac told me about his old man who had retired at, I think he was 50. So yeah. Isaac was on site with you? He was on site with okay. me, yep. Yeah. He, was, he was my understudy. Um, treated very poorly, Isaac. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, but his old man... jokes on site sort of thing. Oh, yeah. Left-handed screwdrivers it, and... Yeah, boots screwed to the floor, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> he's still tormented. We should get him in on the show and talk about how his therapy's going. Best one yeah. I heard. Can you just go over there and ask for a long wait? We need it to get this yeah. job fixed. Walk over there. Yeah, just wait there. I'll be there. Back in a minute. So good. We got in once, actually, with... Um, you would fill, we all had to wear hard hats at the commercial construction site. We filled his uh, hard hat with water, put it in the freezer overnight, and then just, <laughs> <laughs> just before he got to work, we hung it on the hard hat hook and he goes to grab it off and his, his <laughs> hand just <laughs> fell, through, fell through the floor. But anyway, I got sidetracked. So Isaac's old man um, retired, you know, in inverted commas, really early. And what he did was he would go and flip houses. He'd buy these houses in Melbourne's inner north, in around sort of Essendon, Pasco Vale, mm. um, an area where, you know, they're largely original 1960s brick homes. He would go in, he would do cosmetic renovation to them, spend six months working on it. He would flip it, um, he would make a profit from it, and that was his income. And he was, he was free as a bird, is the mm. best way to describe it. And I looked at that life and that path, mm. and then I compared that to the one that I was you know, heading towards, and I sort of thought, you know what, I don't really like this outlook, I much prefer Isaac's dad's outlook, and from that point I really just dove deep and started edu- educating myself, I read everything I possibly could, I attended everything I possibly could to learn about property and how to, how to make money through property, um, and I think the industry is, you know, it's got a certain image and a certain perception out there, but the reality is people can make lifelong wealth and live their dreams if they do it in the right way mm. and of course you can lose a shitload of money too if you do it the wrong way but for me it was never about oh, I want to make 20 million bucks it was about how do I have more freedom more choice and more time I like how you analyse the situation where you were sort of looking at going you know yeah I can make some okay money from this but I'm not happy that's a first awesome step so you went into flipping tell us about your first flip then how did that go where was it and how did you go with it yeah, well, the, the first home we bought, my wife and I, uh, was in Coburg in Melbourne. So Coburg's about 9 k's north of the Melbourne CBD. And at the time, you didn't go to Coburg. You know, you weren't buying... You weren't. There wasn't people jumping out of their skin to go and buy there, but the reason that we did was um, I had looked at all of the Bayside suburbs, the incredible suburbs, the price points there, you know, we just first home buyers couldn't couldn't afford to do it and so the next thing I did again relying on some of the education that I'd I'd taken up was I looked at what is the most affordable suburb that's surrounded by the most expensive suburbs and Coburg was it mm-hmm. you know it's still a you know an entry point into the market it had incredible access to CBD amenity you could get the tram to work you could obviously get a high paying job in the city all, the, all those great things. So you just had bulletproof windows in the meantime and... <laughs> well, yeah, he slept in the back room, <laughs> he slept in the front room. <laughs> yeah. Well, I actually remember the fir- the very first morning, so we moved in late one night, middle of winter. Next morning, 
a knock on the door. I'm thinking, this must be one of the neighbours with cupcakes. <laughs> it was a, a guy high on drugs trying to get into my house. So, oh, Right, so no cupcakes. No cupcakes. <laughs> you asking for you for cupcakes. <laughs> and and that, that's obviously a really extreme example. Mm. It, it ended up being a great place to live. There's so many great families there. Um, my brother-in-law and, and sister-in-law live around the corner and, you know, we had a great time there. But we just took on effectively an ugly duckling so we look for a structurally sound home on a nice block in a nice street and just really looked at the ways that we could add value far beyond what we needed to spend so we did that that was a labor of love Um, we spent way too long doing it um, but ended up setting the street record um, with the with the sale that we had which was incredible and um so what era are we talking about though so that was 2010 2010 yeah so a while back now did you put the Street record next to the coaches award, encouragement <laughs> award. <laughs> well, I remember those trophies. I remember everyone telling me I was crazy because the morning of the auction, I actually drove around the streets with in my Ute picking up rubbish, like the because KB at the time people would just dump rubbish on the side of the road. Yeah, and so I came back after about an hour, and my the back of my Ute was completely full of all this crap that everyone had thrown on the side. But the streets had never looked better. So auction day. Magic. Smart move. Mowed the uh, neighbour's lawn. That's, that's the, the neighbour that came and knocked on your door? <laughs> no, different guy. Where, where was he on the auction day? <laughs> I think he was in the park. A little bit <laughs> under the weather. Today's episode is sponsored by Coastal Advice Group. They offer financial planning and specialise in helping people like you build a plan for the future. Head over to coastaladvicegroup.com.au and book yourself a free initial meeting. does require sacrifice in other words what you're saying is i think especially being a father as well you've got to move into this place that's not desirable to live in however you have a goal you've got an end goal but you're giving up a fair bit of time money expenses you know so there is a there is probably a huge amount of sacrifice involved it's like these guys Mm. or you pay someone yeah Mm. Yeah, life life is just a trade-off isn't it ultimately Mm. you can pay pay someone and you get your time back or you put your time and you don't pay someone so Mm. At that stage of life, it was just before kids, just before we had our, our first. And, mm-hmm. you know, we wrangled help from friends and from the old man and from my father-in-law and from anyone that would help, basically. And that, that's how you sort of... That was the best possible thing that we could have done because it took us from obviously being at the bottom of the market to then obviously adding value, building equity. Mm-hmm. That equity then has fueled everything that we've done since. So it's the most important first step. Um, yeah, it's, it's it's not easy, but it's worth it. What if you're someone like Dan doesn't have any friends and has no skills on how to <laughs> fix houses? You pay. <laughs> then you outsource. I, I don't know anybody who is better than outsourcing and or handballing mm-hmm. uh, tasks True. to others. True. And, um, yeah, no, you've honestly... It's probably why I don't have any friends. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone's got their strengths. Everyone's got their things that they like to do and... Hmm. If renovating is, is your thing, fantastic. Um, I enjoy the process. I find it incredibly rewarding. I think there's something primal in it that mm. you start the day with a blank slate, so to speak, and you finish with a result, and that's a satisfying thing. The beer never tastes better after a day of renovating, I've got to say. Absolutely. Not that I know. But <laughs> I've heard. I still ta- uh, The beer still tastes good, though, regardless <laughs> if I picked the hammer off or not. 
So when you're looking to add value through a renovation, Tom's often spoken spoken to me about you know get on the tools. But I said, well, how do you how do you build a game plan to make sure you're not overcapitalizing? Is it better to build a granny flat? Is it to mm. paint something? Is it to add extra room? So what's some of the things that we the listeners like some of the lessons you've learned along the way, and both good and bad, I guess. The most important thing is to actually understand your exit before you even begin. So renovating can be an emotional thing because you get attached to the process and you know picking colors and what sort of kitchen and that sort of thing and it's often based on your own interests Mm. and if you're doing it for a profit it can't be anything about your own interests it needs to be about what will produce the maximum result for you at the end of the day so if you're buying a property as an investment to hold your approach is entirely different than if you're buying a property to flip if you're buying to hold as an investment, of course, it's just a minimalist approach. Buy something, make it neat and tidy, make it really appealing to tenants, but don't go over the top with fixtures and fittings and, and things that can break. So when it comes to, to flipping, it's really about understanding comparable sales in the market. It's probably the most important point. So if you're taking an ugly duckling and wanting to turn it into a swan, what what is the swan down the street sold for? Mm. What did they have as inclusions? What was the floor plan like? You know what spec, what finish, that sort of thing is the is the most important thing to understand, and then you can work back work backwards from there. That comparable sale gives you a reference point in terms of okay, what can I potentially make in a profit, and then you work back from the profit to what you could sp- spend on the renovation. There's some really simple formulas that we can share with the with the listeners, of course, around that. Um, but as a, a general rule, if you're doing cosmetic reno you should be trying to cap your spend at about 10% of what you paid. Um, And if it's a structural reno, about 22% is what you can afford uh, to spend on it. And again, those are very loose formulas, but they've been a really good guide for me over the years. Case of Coburg, I'll reference that. We bought it for 500,000, we spent 50 grand on it. And we ended up selling it for about 860. So there was a huge amount of profit. What we almost did in that case, and probably a big learning for me, is we almost put on a fourth bedroom and a study and an extra bathroom. And I actually just approached a, a local agent that I knew really well. I said, mate, we're going to do this. What do you think? He said, no, nah, you're crazy. Buyers aren't interested in that in this market. Here's what they want. Here are the sales. Here, yeah. So, again, doing your research, understanding what the future result may be. And, of course, if there's capital growth in the meantime, if the market goes up in value... That's only going to add to the profit that you'll achieve. Mm. Do you add in the the holding costs into that ten and twenty two percent? Yeah. So the the formula um, that I've sort of found over over the years that works really well is um, if you're spending that sort of twenty two percent as a uh, as a but invest sorry as a renovation budget, mm. then you need to be targeting a minimum sale price that's about one hundred and fifty percent of what you paid to start with. That allows you to build in your profit. It allows you to uh, factor in stamp duty, sales costs, holding costs. I've listened to a few episodes of the uh, APS, the property show, mate. Love it. Love the podcast. Thanks, mate. And some of the guests you've had on have been really interesting as well. Um, has there been any sort of common uh, theme that you found uh, that you've sort of taken from that, that you've learned from other people? The, the number one thing is people have gotten really good with finance, mm. with managing finance. So... I think a lot of us growing up are taught that debt, so money borrowed from the bank or other, is a bad thing, and it, it absolutely can be. Mm. Um, DB, I know you, you know, have some horror stories from clients who have obviously taken on things like personal debts and credit cards and that sort of thing, and haven't been able to repay them. Mm. But debt can 
be your best friend when it comes to property. Um, it's the, in my opinion anyway, it's one of the the biggest reasons that the property is such a pop- popular investment class in Australia, is because you can buy this million dollar asset and potentially borrow eighty or ninety percent of that, um, leveraging someone else's money. All the while, the growth that you achieve is on that headline number, so the million dollar purchase and you might have only had to put in 100 or 200 grand so mm. unlike <laughs> shares or other other kinds of investments where typically speaking it's really hard to borrow money to get into those uh, asset classes property is very very different to that so the the, the common thread in those who have ach- achieved success some of them have taken some risks some of them have been conservative but mm. all of them have done a really good job at understanding how finance works how how lending works and how to leverage that to obviously grow a portfolio or to achieve you know certain goals with property. If you're going to renovate it, have a 10 or 22% goal. If you're going to be accumulating properties, like that's fine. And using the equity to continue to roll on and uh, build that portfolio. So have a plan at the start and stick to it. Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's really well said. The, the renovation process, again, can be really emotional. So if you don't have that in place, if you don't have a, you know, a firm budget, you know, you're always inclined to want to do more, spend more, make it prettier. Mm. But in reality, it, it make no difference whatsoever at the end of the day. Uh, Bianca, who came on uh, on on the show, one of our recent episodes, was told a great story about her old man who renovated homes in Balmain in, in Sydney's inner west. Incredible location, Balmain, for those who know it. And he took on a whole heap of renovation projects to flip and make profit, but he was far too emotionally attached some he made a profit on, some he lost a whole heap of money and lots of lots of them he broke even on. So he never really had a firm, certainly in Bianca's opinion, a firm plan to follow and that was mm. the result. Tom, for our listeners out there, and including myself, I have yet to uh, purchase my own home. It's quite scary. It's uh, these, are, these are challenging times for everyone. You know, you've got so many overheads and if you're renting, you're, you're paying that, you're paying food, you're paying fuel, prices are through the roof. Um, have you got any? Have you got a golden duck that you can sort of like of knowledge that you can give to anyone out there listening who are maybe hesitant? They could be ready, but they're scared to step into that first home buyer's space. The first thing is really understanding what you know what you could potentially do. So a lot of people don't realise that they've got options. There's di- there's different ways of getting into the property market. You don't need to own or occupy. Mm. It's you know it's long been a preference, of course, and there are lots of long-standing preferences are getting thrown out the window these days. Rent vesting is an emerging trend. Um, it's a really, really popular thing. Um, Bridget now team, she's done that. She's you know, got an apartment down in Sydney that she rents out to tenants and she lives here in Merriweather and in a share house and absolutely has a great lifestyle. Mm. She doesn't want to live in the apartment in Sydney, but it's also a, a great investment for her whilst she's got this lifestyle choice mm. where she is. So rent vesting is an emerging trend. Uh, that's one of the, on the top of the list. And the other thing, of course, is the, back to the lending picture. So mm. understanding what you may be able to borrow is the first and most important thing. You, you might be surprised at what you can access in the way of grants. There are lots of government subsidies from time to time uh, for first home buyers. There are things around stamp duty, um, Concessions to mm. help save you money on what you would potentially pay in stamp duty. There's a myriad of things. Mm. The first and most important thing is to get a decent broker, as mm. in a mortgage broker, to have a conversation with. A good broker is going to be able to help educate you on what those options may look like. When it comes to buying property, a buyer's agent 
can help you with that. But really, the step back is to say, what could we potentially borrow? What are our options? Do we, you know, do we rent best? Do we own or occupy? Do we potentially live somewhere where we wouldn't necessarily want to end up, but mm. realise that that's a stepping stone for Just us? Just like Coburg, you mentioned earlier. Yeah, it's you know, at the time, it's not it's not an easy choice to make, but it can be a really good long term decision. That's about all we've got time for for this little power episode. We've got another one coming up, so stay tuned. Tom, Australian Property Show is the podcast that you run. How will people then go take that next step to get in touch with you? Yeah, by all means, check out the show. Uh, We've got some really interesting episodes on there already and some great ones coming up. Good way to educate yourself on different ways and means of making money through property. Uh, We're on all the regular podcast platforms, of course, Spotify, Apple Music, Uh, and also on the socials as well, Australian Property Show on Facebook and Instagram. Perfect. Thanks for your time, mate. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, DB. Thanks for joining us. If you enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe to our channel. You can also find us on Instagram where you can leave a comment on what you'd like to hear next time on Dad's Talking Dollars. We acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we work and live, the Awabakal and Warami peoples, and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Mm